Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joining us as he does every week, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Craig Ludwig. How are you, Craig? I'm doing good. Good. I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting in a video session right about now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, really excited to have you on today because I want Craig Ludwig... Well, I mean, I want Craig Ludwig to do a, a few things on this podcast, but first and foremost, the art of defending two on one. It seems as though there was some <laughs> breakdown. So tell but us now, why did you use that phrase art of defending? Because I really do think it's an art because I think, you know, if done correctly, um, you know, it's not one of those things where you have to, I mean, these are things that you can practice and, I think in film sessions, it's like you have a elite goalie behind you, you know, um, you know, take, take, take away the pass and let him take the angle. So, I mean, well, that would, the that only would be, reason I asked you that question yeah. is because I have done a thing on the NHL network channel with Larry Robinson and Chris Pronger, and it's called the art of D. <laughs> so oh, that's, not, well, that's I mean, why I thought you were bringing that up. That's massive company. Yeah, we, we did. Oh, I know. I mean, I, I didn't actually, when they called me and asked me to do it, they, I mean, it was Scott Lachlan that did it. I did it with, and I, I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, with Larry and Pronger on there either. And then, and that was, God, I don't know, maybe three years ago, two, three years ago. And, and the only reason that came to mind <clears throat> is when we were in, uh, Minnesota this past weekend with our U18 team I had my phone um, as my Bluetooth right you know I had it for sure. the map for the map as we were going back and forth to the air or to the rink and shit like that so anyways um, I get in there and I had I started the car up and the Bluetooth obviously connected on my phone and when I got back in the guys are all giving it to me I'm like what are you guys doing? oh coach you think you're real cool and all that kind of stuff and um, a couple of guys said that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because on the screen in the car, it, ha- it that was on. <laughs> so <laughs> they could see the, you know, the, the, the display that said Craig Ludwig. The, anyway, um, so <clears throat> long, long story, but means nothing. Um, yeah. You know what it is? Defense and defending are about vision. And, and position and vision and knowing what's in front of you, what's on the side of you, and more importantly, what's behind you. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of factors, but also who you're playing against. 
you know, and so it's funny when you text me last night, I had just got done clipping all of these little, uh, those three goals in the second period against, because these are good examples for me when I take them in and show them to our players. And I say, now again, you know, I'm hard on you guys, but even the best players in the world make the same mistakes. And, you know, I go back to that first one. I think the stars, yeah, they were up three, nothing in the Blackhawks were on a power play. And, you know, and again, I look at it, and Sagan, again, we always used the phrase head on a swivel. So as you're coming back into your own zone, going through the neutral, you always have to be looking around. You have to know where everybody else is on the ice, your guys, their guys. And just, and typically you go, okay, who's the most dangerous guy on the ice? Well, as we know, last night it was Domi and Kane. <clears throat> but on that first one there, the stars are killing a penalty. Sagan looks over his shoulder a couple of times. So he knows where Kane is. Um, he never really looks once he gets inside the zone and finds Domi. But the point of the, the whole play for me is even though they're on the power play, the rules are, you know, you can either play a controlled uh, penalty kill or you typically go when the puck is along the wall. You know, there's a bit of a scrum. It's a bouncing puck. And if you can anticipate a pass, that's when you can be a little bit more aggressive. There was a play. The puck comes around behind the net and the puck is on the wall and Tyler gets to and it's Kane, you know, one of the, if not the best passer in the game, one of the top three or so. But the puck isn't even yet to Kane. It's about behind the net on its way to Patrick Kane. And Kane has kind of got his, you know, back to Sagan, maybe, maybe a shoulder to Sagan. But Tyler puts the brakes on at the goal line. And that, to me, is a time that you go. You got the best passer in the game. And, um, you know, you, you want to take that time and space away from him. I think if he continues to go, Kane can't make that play and Kane made an unbelievable pass to Domi in the slot but that that's just one example on that one and I don't think Foxa who was kind of in the middle of the ice he was killing penalty he didn't again the most dangerous area in your own zone is right in front of your net it's in what we call the house and Foxa didn't have the urgency to get to the only player that was open uh in Domi so anyway you know I, I just think you could have been a little bit more aggressive on that one uh, but Payne make, or Kane makes a perfect pass. I mean, it, it couldn't been any, I mean, he saucers it over, a, a, you know, almost two sticks and lands it right on the tape of, of Domi. And, you know, and I don't, I don't blame Jake on that one. He's probably looking behind the net and trying to find the, trying to track the puck. And by yeah. the time Kane gets it. And so, you know, that, but again, that that's just part of at, at a moment there, I think you needed to be an aggressive player, especially on the best guy. I mean, you give him, no time and he makes good passes and you give him time and he's going to make a great pass. And that's what Kane did. Yeah. I think, um, well, I want to ask you from a coach's perspective, because you said last night you were cutting up tape, So you have a unique perspective as both a coach at a very high level and as a player at a very high level, when you lose five in a row, and you're losing to the Blackhawks, who won four straight, and Columbus is also streaking right now, so it's not like you caught these teams as they were just giving up. No one gives up in the NHL. They're fighting for jobs. But how how do you go about it from a coach and as a guy who has been one of those leaders in the locker room? Are we talking a players-only meeting? Uh, as a coach, does DeBoer go to them and say, back to the basics, sticks are too tight? You know, let's, we got to cause scrums in front of the net because one of the things is, and I know it was a six on five, Craig, 
But I just always hate it at the end of the games where it's like all of a sudden it's like that thrust. You know, you're fighting in front of the net and you're you're scrambling and you're causing them on their heels. And it's like, why couldn't you extend this throughout the third period? Well, I think that the line that, you know, there was a lot of lines you use, but, but that it's not the end of the game. It's when it's three, nothing. I mean, again, what do they say that the the worst lead in hockey is a two goal lead? I've heard it. The the era has changed. It's three goal. It's the third, it's a three goal lead. It seems like now there's so many teams that have coming back. Sorry. have come back on teams that have been up for three goals. So you just get complacent and and you got to put, you got to step on their throat. And you got to go for four. I mean, when you look at the games this year that have gone on, not just, not the stars I'm talking about, but around the league, it's amazing how many three and four goal games where teams have been in control, they lose it. And, you know, or they come back and maybe they got to win it and, and just give a point away, not two points. But I think it's just the urgency. And you'll hear all of the, the cliches, you know, playing a 60 minute game and, but, you know, you're playing against the Chicago Blackhawks, who have not had a good season. You're up by three goals, you know, almost at the end of two periods. Um, you know, and so I think you, you take your foot off the gas a little bit. And so, yeah, they haven't had – I mean, you look, they've got two games left, I believe, in this month, Vegas and some Vancouver. So um, – and it, if they, even if they split that, it's not going to be a good month. And you will look back if you slide down and, um, you know, Colorado, we've talked about Colorado, Colorado's got some games in hand. Um, You know, so if you slide down and, and now you end up in the two or three, and maybe you start on the road, maybe you play Colorado in the first round, are you going to look back at, at at the month of February, you know, and and those are the kind of things that, that you'll look back and go, man, we had a good season, you know, things were rolling wrong. We, we were, I had said early in the year, one thing you do is you don't let it get to three. You don't let it get to three loss, losses in a row. You try yeah. to end it at two. And I think teams that can do that are usually there. They're, they're, they're a playoff team. <clears throat> and Dallas is going to be a playoff team. There's no, there's no doubt about that for me. But the, the time to have your game kind of waver a little bit is not in the last 15, 20 games of the regular season. You want it to be peaking as you head into playoffs. Right. So I think that would be the only um, urgency or concern for the coaching staff is to say, what do we do? How do we get this back on the rails? And I don't think it's off the rails by any means. I mean, you know, it's natural. 82 games is a long year. Yeah. And look at Boston. I mean, Boston's rolling along and they may, they may set a record, but you know, they had, they had what, three, four games where, you know, where they're going along and they don't lose at home and yeah. they've only lost, you know, and then all of a sudden, but I will tell you that probably the people upstairs in Boston are probably going now that they've kind of gotten it back, they're going, that was a good thing for us. We needed some adversity. You kind of got to get, brought down to earth a little bit when think because you're i mean boston's a good team right dallas is a good team tampa's a good team um vegas in my opinion is a good team there's good teams here carolina's a good team the rangers are good teams Mm -hmm. but they all have their little blips during the season and it's just how do they handle and how do they come out the other side and do they come out the other side at the proper time and so 
you know, Dallas has got the easiest strength of schedule, I believe, in the NHL from here to the end. They do. So it's a good opportunity for these guys to go as a team. If you're talking about team meetings, we have to approach the, the, the rest of the season like we're playing Boston, like we're playing Carolina, like we're playing Colorado. It Don't look at the jersey. Just imagine that you're playing one of the top three teams in the league, top five teams in the league, and we'll get our game back in order because we believe in what we have. And, you know, now <clears throat> what I would say now, though, and I think we talked about this a week or two ago, are the guys in the room right right now going, uh, okay, so we've, we faltered a little bit here and we stumbled a little bit and the trade deadline's seven, eight days away, are they going to make a trade? Yeah. Are they going to do something to spark? Because I would be wondering that. I am wondering that right now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, and, and and it, it gives of- you know, it gives the other teams a little bit more leverage because it's like you lost five in a row. You know, you have older players. You know, this is your now time, and so if you want my guy, here's what the hall price is. goes up. Yeah, uh, you know what I mean. Like the price goes up. Like if you want Patrick Kane, and and again we we had said you know i had said this before when when they played who was it boston and tampa yep. they came out of those two games and you're like they might need a little bit a little something extra yeah just something extra um you know and i thought it would be you know a, a depth defenseman or something like that but when you came out of them couple games and you're like okay do we have enough to get past carolina you know should we get to the finals um do we have enough to get by those teams because they've got some ammo on those other teams yeah then you do start thinking about the, the cane and, you know, guys like that. So, but again, that's not really in anybody's control except Patrick Kane. He's the one that's going to decide where he wants to go. Right. Don't be on the other hand, that, Craig. Yeah. And I'm hearing it still could be the Rangers, but, but what's got to happen is, you know, there's probably got to be another team involved. There's yeah. got to be a team that's going to be the banker. But, but again, if that were Dallas, I'd probably be the same scenario I, with their salary cap, maybe, Maybe you get, I mean, you, you know, you get somebody to pick up 50%. You can pick up 50%, but then you pedal 25% of it off. And what do you got to give up? Are you going to give up Foxa and Garyanov and a, and a second round pick? Or, no. you know, again, that's up to Jim Neal to see what he wants to give away. I think, I think, I think the problem with Kane compared to what St. Louis got for Tarasenko, um, I think the problem is it's going to be with the Stars without their first round pick, it would be. Something in the area, just looking at the Horvat deal as well. A first round pick in 2024, second round pick, and one of your high prospects, Stankoven, Wyatt Johnston, someone like that. And to me, for a rental, that's tough. I think obviously Domi would be less. I do like Domi's aggressiveness, and he can still score. Um, so I think he's kind of mucks it up in front of the net, which, you know, I always love JVR would be less coming from Philadelphia. Um, I think that might be a third and fourth round pick. Um, I'm sure Philadelphia is holding out to see how much they want, but it is interesting because I'm kind of at the point, Craig, where I'm like, if I'm going to give up a stank oven and there's no guarantees that these guys are going to be good or a Maverick Bork or you know, I mean, we've seen what Wyatt Johnston can do. But if I'm giving up those kinds of guys, I want Jacob Chikrin because I want two years of protection, and that guy's on my blue line for the rest of his career. 
So that's just that's just me. And I, I mean, I you know, I think that leads me into my next topic. Um because I have some concerns about the quarterback position on the blue line. I'm not, you know, have to make this ten time disclaimer. I'm a I like Miro Haskinen. I think he's a good player, but you and I talked on this podcast last year, taking it to the next level. I just don't see that offensive aggressiveness um, that could be a huge plus for this team, especially on the power play. And then he has the ability, um, I think, to enter the offensive zone. Um, he has the speed. He has the um, you know puck carrying ability. But I, you know, I'm just not seeing him do it enough. Where it's like, you know, we have to pay attention to Haskin and when it comes to offense. Wanted to get your it thoughts on that. It had to be that. a concern. It had to be a concern, regardless of how negotiations went or not, when John Klingberg left. Yeah, John Klingberg, Sergey Zubov, they make special plays on, on power plays. They they find seams. They saucer pucks, uh, similar to what Kane did to to Domi last night. M- Miro's a direct passer. He 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 makes great passes. He's a skater. You know, it's funny. I I asked Hike up. Uh, Mike Heike was on, I had Heike on my podcast, I think a week or two ago, whatever it was. And my question to him was, has Miro done enough to put himself in, in the, in the Norris trophy conversation? And, and, and Mike, and I didn't know how Mike was going to answer it, but he immediately said, no. And I agree. And I said, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, and it's really, and it, it's nothing more than the offensive side of things. Yep. I mean, but again, <clears throat> you know what? I've Miro's Miro's a, a player that kills plays defensively with his speed and, and typically with his stick, he can skate himself out of trouble. He can, he can, he's got the foot speed and the, the agility to, to skate side by side with McDavid and, and people like this, but he's not a, he's not a great defensive defenseman. I mean, I, the Norris trophy winners now are more offensive, but, but they also still can, can take away time and space and, and make the, the proper decisions on uh, because I'm going back to the one that Miro gave there were two on one last night yeah. with Domi and Kane again. Yep. Uh, it, it was the way that it was played in my opinion was awful. And it was no, and what was even probably worse was Ryan Suter, the way he played his, I mean, <clears throat> as defensemen, I, they're both playing off the close post, the puck carrier they're off. The, so there's a lot of room on the offside. If the puck gets through, they make themselves look small. They turn sideways instead of making yourself look bigger and when they go down, they go down, or at least Suter, he goes down the wrong way. Instead of have your body in a passing lane, his stick is in a passing yep. lane. Well, the puck can get through a lot easier. So the, the point of all that is, um, yeah, and, and Miro's a great player. I mean, let's let's not – I'm just saying he's not he's not the best defensive player in the game. He's not the best offensive player in the game. That, right. that goes probably to Eric Carlson this yep. year. Yep, <clears throat> You know, so <clears throat> it, it's – He's still a great player. He is, but but yes, you're you're right, and and I that's why I thought when that's the only thing I said about the departure of Klingberg is is this going to affect the power play? And now Dallas has had a good power play. Yep, I mean they're top they're you know they're tops in the league up there, so you can't complain about that. But I think more of that is not necessarily from a defenseman setting somebody up for a goal. It's more. Pavelski setting up hence him setting up Robertson Roberts setting up you know it's those three guys that's what I think now but then when you the, the other side of that coin is like then you just get the puck to one of those three guys and that's what Miro does but if you're looking for that special holy what a pass right. that was that, that's not what you have so 
but again, there's different elements there. So I don't know, but I agree with you with, when it comes to the Klingberg. Klingberg was a guy that Mir Merrill coming, leaving his zone, getting to the offensive blue line where John Klingberg would have made some kind of a, a pass cross ice. Sergei Zubov would have made a, a ridiculous pass across the ice past two guys. Merrill skates past two guys. And then, and then he, you know, distributes the puck. That's what I think. He yep. uses his speed. So I guess it depends on who you ask. I mean, you're not trading Miro Haskin in a way. No, no. You know, no. so, but is he, is he the, the catalyst? Is he the quarterback for the Dallas Stars power play? Typically your, your defenseman or that defenseman is, I mean, John Carlson, who's been injured in, in Washington, you don't think Ovi wants him back. Yeah. Uh, and the team wants him back. That team has gone sideways here. And it, a lot of it has to do with that, with that one guy missing. They're, they're important players. And yeah, absolutely. Especially like offensively, you know, like a Thomas Shabbat, who, yep. you know, might show some liability on the defensive side. But at the same time, when he has the puck, you're like, whoa. And I mean, you know, we hate to keep bringing him up. And I mean, hope he gets better soon because of the concussion protocol. But uh, Makar, where it's like, you have to put a body or a guy on him, or like you said earlier, you have to keep an eye on him, and that allows other players space. Yeah, but the, you know what? There's only a handful of these yep. guys in the NFL. True, true. You know, everybody would love to have one, and it's just it, it's not happening. True. So true. again, I, I don't think we can. You can't sit here and knock the power play because it's it's been one of the strengths for the Dallas Stars this year. It seems like every time. Yep. that power play comes on the ice. If they don't score, they're, they're creating momentum for the next group. And I do, I do worry, and I'm either ahead of this or I am not evaluating this correctly, but at that salary cap, cap figure, I mean, that's my worry with Haskinen. Like I said, a really good player, but can he take the next step? Because that's a big salary for a number of years, and he will be a solid player, but you can only have so many of those solid players at top tier salaries because, you know, then you're cap strapped and can't get those pieces to, to, you know, to move forward. And that's why I think Jacob Chikrin solves multiple problems and it's a fair value about 4.5 million right now for the next two years after this year. So, and then you can sign him to a long term because you got some people coming off the uh, books. So, you know, hate to knock the veteran, but uh, another guy we probably got to get going is uh, Joe Pavelski. Um, you know, kind of a, kind of in a slump. Um, and I wanted to talk about Mason Marchment because I was going well, I was wondering when you're going to bring him up. Well, I mean, am I wrong to bring him up? I mean, no, I, I, you know, no. I mean, and, and, and I think I see mannerisms in, in him, um, at the end of plays that, that don't result in what he wants him to result in. And he's yeah. kind of looking upward. And, and usually that just means a little bit of frustration, but he hasn't scored in what 20 some games, 25, 26 games or something like that. He so has, of and, course he's frustrated. and the other thing is, is that the penalties he's taken this year are 50% of what his career penalty total is. Yeah. I mean, so maybe he's pressing too hard. Maybe he's trying to be that physical presence on that line, but I'm I, at some point you would think DeBoer and the staff want to move him down a line or two and try somebody else because you know try it's just like saying do you want to move fox up into to the two hole i mean you i know. didn't craig but i i kind of said some really good things about him on the previous podcast 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, when he was I, in I that hole, he, I don't think he's a, he's he, not a number. Two no, not on a regular I, basis. Right. No, not. Well, I was going to say on a Stanley. And again, I don't want to say a Stanley cup contender because they are a Stanley cup contender. Sure. So they just, they go about their business and their, their team philosophy, I think is a little bit different. I mean, you go over to the East and it's, I mean, Carolina's speed, Boston's speed, Rangers are speed. You know, and I think that Dallas is is kind of more of a balanced team to where their they their their philosophy may be, yeah, we can we can score on the power play. We've got that line, we've got Jason Robertson, but we're gonna be hard to play against. We're gonna defend hard and they're not gonna get quality scoring chances. And you've got a good goaltender. And if so if we can keep things to the to the perimeter, we don't give up grade A scoring chances like that were done last night. Three goals were, you know. Again, they they weren't played properly in my opinion, but even still there. And but but even I mean, Jake made one save. I can't remember what part of the game was. It was a ridiculous pass that went from, you know, from I think it was from his left to his right. Yep. made a pad save, um, you know, so you've got that goalie that can that can do that. And so, you know, it, does Jim Neal and, and Pete DeBoer, do they have a different philosophy how they go about their game? and believe that they can win games by giving up. Are they going into games and saying, you know what? Yeah, we want to score four or five goals. Of course, everybody does. But our main focus is we're not giving up more than two. And, you know, so again, that sometimes you, you're, okay, we don't, because again, the playoffs are different. The playoffs are different than the regular season. So you get to the, you get to the playoffs and, now, because you play a little bit stingier game and you play a little bit more uh, positionally correct game and you play the same team every other night for two weeks, are you going to frustrate them? Are you going to cut down on the scoring chances and your goaltender is going to do what your goaltender did last year against Calgary? And is that going to give us the better recipe to get ourselves into the finals? You know, you just got to get there. Yeah. So, you know, that might be a, a conversation that, ownership Jim Nill the head the coaching staff of all hat we're not in the east and you know we believe that if we do get up there we can frustrate whatever team out of the east gets there I mean look at when they played against Tampa this year they played against Buffalo or uh, Boston this year they were one goal games yeah you know um and I I do remember that the Boston game you know that Bergeron didn't do anything. I, I well, and oh, we he know was bad. Pasta scored. Pasta scored the OT goal, right? And that basically their second line. If I don't even call it their second line because I think Pasternak is number two in the league in in goals yeah, scored. Yeah. Now, so, <laughs> um, but again, they they have balance on that that team too. So again, I, I the sky's not falling here. Um, and but you know what you, I think that the first what. 60 games that they played, they put themselves in a spot where, okay, we can go through a little adversity. We just got to make sure that we, we zip it up sooner than later and, and slowly get back to, to where we want to be for our last 10 games heading into the playoffs. That I, I would say that there's no panic in there. Is there concern? I don't even know if the word would be concern. I think they're going to break games down and go, you know what? We're just giving up two or three more scoring quality scoring chances that we did in our first 50 games let's tighten it up Let, let's let's get our head on a swivel um you know we're turning plus like that uh the goal that uh uh who would have been the Kane goal i think it was tyler that sagan that turned the puck over in the neutral zone yeah i mean just and he was on the right side of the red line where he instead of a little drop pass 
he could have put it in the zone and gone to work. Yeah, like, he kind of did just, a blind pass. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of threw it behind his back. Yeah. Those are the little things that you will learn from now. And when you're playing against whoever it's going to be, Colorado, uh, Winnipeg, Minnesota, you're going to go, now let's let's just reflect back. You know, those little things that we did in the regular season, it, you know, we're here. We're where we want to be. But those things, you know, are things that we need to make sure we don't do because those are the kind of plays that in, in when you're in the playoffs and, you know, the series is tied 3-3, 2-2, and that could be something that swings the series. And those are the kind of things that you need to learn from, you know, from the regular season. That's what it's about. When you were going through these situations as a player, what was said in the room? And was it a Hitchcock thing or, you know, one of your other coaches that fired up no, or was it, it, it was a player? It, it was the player. It was the players. Like okay. our, our whole, our meetings leading up, you know, from when Hitch got here was to, <clears throat> you, you know, there was the, the four or five of us that had letters, but there was another group and, and we were, it was, it was your leadership group. And and the whole goal for the coaching staff and us were to keep pulling more guys into that group. And, and I've said this to, you know, the other coaches that I'm with now is that, you know, we're, we're selling things in before the games in practices um, during games from a bench standpoint, we're selling all these little things that we want them to do. But once you can start hearing the players start to preach it, now you back off and you go, this is where we wanted to get to. Now they're selling what we needed them to sell, which ultimately means that they bought into what we're trying to sell them. And so <clears throat> what we would do is try to continue to pull another guy into that group and then another guy into that group, another guy into that group. Next thing you know, you could have taken any of the 15 guys that are now in that group. Cause you're not always going to get 20, but the team that's going to win the cup is going to have damn near every single 22, 23 players all in that, that group, because they know that that was the right way to proceed. And that's, what's going to get us there. And those are the teams that, you know, get to the final four every year. I mean, not just solely, but, but I'm just saying now, now you kind of just as, as a coaching staff and your management, you're like, they're, they are now sending our message. We had a belief in the offseason of what kind of team we needed to put together, the, the way that we needed to play. And, and now we have X amount of games to get to sell our plan. And so when you have that and you hear that, and don't think the coaches aren't walking by the door every once in a while, it might be intermission and it might be quiet in the locker room, or you just want to kind of conveniently walk back to the stick room to act like you're talking to a trainer or something like that. You want to know what the players are saying. They want to know if the messages that what they would do. And it, and, it, and what you do is you walk by the room. And if there's nobody saying a word, well, then maybe you got to step in there. But when you hear them talking and they're talking about the same things that you would say, it means more to the players coming from their teammates than it does from the head coach and the assistant coaches. But that's that's ultimately you want. You want those guys, you know, being a being a unit. That's what you want. Is everybody's going there? We all bought in, um, and and then that that's your goal. I think you know when you get into training camp, you lay it out with your coaching staff. Here's what we got to sell them. Here's what we believe in. You know, you might tweak it during the year because you have to. And but ultimately, once you have that, I mean, good example is Boston and you know Bergeron when they have a few days off and coaches come in and say, listen, we got four or five days off. Let's take care of ourselves. You know, we got big games and we come back from the break, whatever. He'll be like, 
oh, don't worry about that coach. We're, they're not doing this. They're not going there. Yeah. Those, those are your leaders. They tell you, no, this ain't happening with this team. Was there, and, was, and was, where they are. okay. Was there ever a situation in your playing career? Cause I just thought randomly, like, do goalies ever speak out? You know, um, was there ever a situation in your career where there's either, you know, in between periods or a players only meeting where a random person that you would never expect all of a sudden says something and you're like, what? Or you're like, wow, didn't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, and if they weren't, if they're, if they're, because there are the quiet guys, there's the guys that like, like a guy like Yuri Letman, um, you can ask him and let's didn't like to talk. And, and, and he was the, he was the perfect player in our mind. I mean, he just did everything right. You know, he, not only did he put up 20 goals a year, but he was the guy that cleaned up when there was a line that wasn't working. He, he was the fixer hitch would, they, they'll take somebody else off and put, put let's on that line. All of a sudden it was the best line. I mean, and then the, well, Jesus, that they got it together. And then all of a sudden that line, the other line wasn't working. They put let's on that line. Well, now that now we were going, yeah, that's the guy that really drives the line. He's the one that drives the play and the tempo and the way that you want to play. But <clears throat> there'd be time like players meetings. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, you can have one of them, but you're, you're ultimate. There's, there's nothing in those meetings that players don't already know. I mean, what do you, what do you, I mean, even, you know, <clears throat> I've, I've yelled and screamed at our players at times. And, you know, you tell them you guys got to get, you know, you guys got to talk about it. And then you'll hear, they'll give you the, the chatter for 30, 40 seconds. And the next thing you know, they're laughing in there and they're, <laughs> and they're, and they're, or it's quiet, you know? So, but, but again, those are young kids, but I don't know if the, the player meeting, you know, you can have one a year maybe, but if you're going to have a meeting after meeting, after meeting, there's really nothing more that's going to be said. Cause everybody knows what's going on. Everybody knows what's going wrong. They know who they are. So, um, you know, that those are the times, you know, in my experience, you know, you, you always get it from the coaches, right? You get it from the assistant coach, you get it, the D coach and, or you get it from the, the head coach. But when the GM wanted to have a meeting, which very rarely happens, then you knew it was a different tone. And we had Bob Ganey as a general manager. So there was always going to be a different tone. Now, I, I don't know if a, a Kyle Dubas in Toronto, since he never played in the right. league or anything like that, I don't know if he would have the same impact. But, but again, that's why, my opinion, St. Louis Blues and, and Doug Armstrong, who was here in Dallas and, and what he's learned and experienced, especially from, from being Bob Ganey's number two guy and how to handle certain situations. And what does Army do? Army knows he never played there. You know, Army's going to can't go in there and talk about certain things, but what he does, he surrounds himself with really good people. You know, he brings in a pronger, he brings in a Larry Robinson, a, a Dave Taylor, Mar Martin Brodeur. Uh, he's got Al McGinnis, you know, he, he's, he surrounds himself with guys that, if they're not hall of famers, you know, everybody knows who they are. And when those kind of people speak, they listen. So, you know, again, today's general manager has to be more than a hockey guy. I mean, they got to be bean counters and everything else. So, um, but to me, the smart general managers are the, are the ones that surround them with, with really good people. You're a beast, my friend. Thank you so much for the insight today. It was terrific. We learned about two on one, how to play it. And, uh, Good to see you more, were cutting more, up. So more importantly, how not to play it. <laughs> cutting up uh, tape for the youth and uh, showing them uh, how the right way to do it. And uh, you on the road this weekend? 
Uh, no, we're not. We're, wow. we're actually, no, we are, we are home. Our next, uh, our next time we're leaving is in, in a week and a half, we go out to Colorado for regional. So perfect uh, opportunity to uh, either have me on your podcast or just hang out. Okay. Good talk. <laughs> He's two time Stanley cup champ, Craig Ludwig. Always great to talk to him. I'm Gavin Spittle on one Oh five, three, the fan. We'll be back tomorrow with Sean Shapiro and no cheerleading on this podcast <laughs> right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great day, everyone.